Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Vitality Explorer podcast. My name is Dr. Alan Mishra. I'm an orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine specialist. I'm also the founder of Vitality Explorers and this podcast. Our goal with the podcast is, is to optimize vitality one person at a time. We always like to start with a quote, and this is from Ronnie Lott, NFL Hall of Famer Ronnie Lott. Quote, if you believe it, the mind can achieve it. If you believe it, the mind can achieve it. And I've been really lucky to see Ronnie Lott speak many times in person. He's a phenomenal speaker, and I I love this quote from him. If you can believe it, the mind can achieve it. So again, our goal is to enhance your physical, mental, social, and or spiritual well-being, to take the friction out of staying vital. Uh, If you're enjoying what you listen to, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever ever you get your podcasts. This week, we're going to be talking about three specific things. One really important one, how sports can supercharge your vitality, how cold, the second one is cold exposure increases longevity. And the third is five natural ways to reduce inflammation. Excuse me. So let's begin with the big news. Michigan won the national championship in NCAA football. Okay, now part of this, I wrote this post about how sports can supercharge your body and brain before the national championship game, which was last Monday, okay, Monday night against Washington. And it was after I had gone to the Rose Bowl, which was the semifinal game, okay, and that was where, where Michigan beat Alabama. All right. Now go blue to all my friend, my Wolverine friends out there. And I am definitely somebody who rides the big blue bus, bus and lives in the big blue tent. Apologize to anybody from um, Washington or Ohio, but the Ro- or Alabama. But the Rose Bowl was a glorious event. It was watched by more than 27 million people on TV and the most watched playoff game in a decade. And there's a video up, uh, a couple of videos I've put together from attending the Rose Bowl on the Vitality Explorer Substack, Substack site. As always, you can see videos, graphs, and all the references to the material that we go over on the Vitality Explorer Substack or Vitality Explorer podcast there. Okay. But I just very luckily was sitting in the corner of the end zone, and a lot of the action came right at where I was sitting. And a great section with really fun people. And even the overtime uh, part of it was was right towards us. But during that that visit to the Rose Bowl, I connected with a, a bunch of co- close college friends before the game. Uh, amazingly, ran into a very close friend um, in the tunnels, which were really crowded going into the Rose Bowl. And then I honestly, I, I didn't drink really at all, but I partied like our Michigan rock star during the game with tens of thousands of my fellow Wolverines in that in the stadium, especially after they. They, they won. Now, the, the, the day minus the crazy traffic in and out of the Rose Bowl was a spectacular vitality enhancer. And again, you can see a couple of videos up online if you want to see that at vitalityexplorers.substack.com. But what's interesting is that there's scientific data supporting my personal experience. And check out the conclusions of a survey of over 7,000 adults that was published in this paper. And the title of the paper is Attending Live Sporting Events Predicts Subjective Well-Being and Reduces Loneliness. So according to the paper, um, lives, going to a live sporting event does three things. Number one, it increases your life satisfaction. Number two, leads to a greater sense of life being worthwhile. And number three, reduces loneliness. That's kind of 
insane, right? So um, the researchers started off by just asking the participants a single question. And is that it? In the last 12 months, have you attended any live sporting events? And what they found is that improvements in life satisfaction, sense of worth or worthwhile, uh, uh, life being worthwhile or a reduction in loneliness were all increased by the people who had attended a live sporting event. And they concluded that live sporting events, quote, may present an accessible, scalable, and effective tool for improving the public's well-being and reducing loneliness. Let me say that one more time. Live sporting events may present an accessible, scalable, and effective tool for improving the public's well-being and reducing loneliness. Now, other reports have suggested that just attending these events increases our social connectivity and maybe even inspire us to be more active. But it's, it's clear going to a live sporting event can help both our body and our brain or our mental health. And I really, uh, obviously, I bleed maize and blue. I've been to the Michigan Stadium with 100,000 of my friends many times. Uh, they have actually a streak of over 300 games where they've had 100,000 or more. And what's interesting is I didn't actually appreciate this um, because I've been spoiled by being able to go to so many games. It's a massive community of people. And they're all focused on trying to vanquish the opponent for that day. But what I, what I didn't realize until reviewing this study and, and others is that we all pull together for a period of time on a Saturday. And interestingly, both in the Rose Bowl or in Michigan Stadium or any large stadium, the cell phone towers get overwhelmed. And that makes it almost impossible to surf the internet or check your messages. So you're paying more attention. You're just staying in the moment. You're staying focused on it. And that may be one of the reasons why it's helpful. So here's the Vitality Explorer analysis and recommendation. Um, scientific data confirms that, uh, that attending a live sporting event is a vitality enhancer. It can improve our overall well-being. And I think it's truly an excellent way to combat the epidemic of loneliness in our world. So even attending just one event per year, that's what's crazy about the data, it can be valuable. So go out and you know see, see a baseball, basketball, you know, soccer game, football game, whatever your sport is that you like. And I don't know if it has to be even college or professional, maybe even could be a, you know, a, a local sporting event. But do that with somebody you enjoy hanging out with. And I think you're going to see your overall well-being go up. And it's also just fun, right? So um, check out the, the data uh, and, and the, in the abstract of the Vitality Explorer Substack site. And to all my friends out there, go blue. We won the natty. Thank you so much. Okay, <laughs> now we'll move on from that on to some real science about why cold exposure increases longevity. And we've talked about cold exposure several times before on, on the podcast, but this is the discussion of a discovery of a new mechanism of action of why it may help increase our longevity. And so you're going to have to stay with me on this one because this one's a little complex. But I think if you're interested in trying to in enhance your longevity, lowering your body temperature is one of the best ways that it might happen. So aging also is associated with the accumulation of damaged proteins in our body. So these proteins that are not really correctly folded can clump or aggregate and lead to nasty things like neurodegenerative disorders such as you know, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, also known as ALS. But the paper we're going to explore today smashed these two concepts of lowering body temperature 
enhancing longevity and aging being associated with damaged proteins. And the title of the paper is, quote, moderately cold temperatures prevent protein aggregation related to aging and disease. So this moderate reduction in body temperature is associated with a longer lifespan and fertility, according to the paper. Now, this is in contrast to being exposed to really cold or extreme temperatures. So we're not talking about going out and freeze, you know, getting frostbite. Um, that can result in, you know, issues with your cardiac uh, function and even death. But here's a comment from the researchers about the paper. And what they did is they were studying cold exposure on a common worm called C. elegans, E-L-E-G-A-N-S. Also, they studied human cells. But, quote, we have always been intrigued by the remarkably long lifespan of C. elegans, the worm, when cultured at cold temperature, 15 degrees Celsius, which is about 59 degrees Fahrenheit, whereas most of their counterparts at standard temperature, when they're cultured at standard temperature, which is 20 degrees Celsius or 68, are already dead or show pronounced signs of aging. So this is the difference between 15 and 20 degrees Celsius or 59 and 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, so five degrees Celsius and less than 10 degrees Fahrenheit are associated with literally living longer. And these aren't even extreme temperatures, right? So the discovery uh, of a specific activator that is required uh, for the cold-induced longevity um, showed imp improved degradation of these nasty proteins that are hanging around that should be kind of flushed down the toilet. And the activator was found to be effective in reducing that protein aggregation in both worms and human cells. And they were uh, human nerve cells. So this suggests that cold exposure could prevent a variety of uh, diseases and enhance longevity. So there's a, there's a reasonably complicated graph there, but it just basically shows a linear you know, connection between activation of a particular type uh, of enzyme that, that helps um, degrade proteins that are bad for you or that have, are damaged. And here's a couple other quotes from the paper. Uh, quote, our results indicate an evolutionary, evolutionarily, <laughs> say that five times fast, evolutionarily conserved effect of cold temperature in proteasome regulation with the potential implications for aging and age-related diseases. So I, I should know a little bit about this, but this is part of the reason why I do this work. I learned what the prote uh, proteasomes, P-R-O-T-E-A-S-O-M-E, -E, they help remove unneeded or damaged proteins. And enzymes that facilitate the reactions are called proteases. So basically what's happening when you get exposed to the cold, it it can enhance the body's ability to degrade these harmful proteins, which can ultimately lead to the prevention of things, again, like neurodegenerative diseases and enhance your longevity. And here's another quote from the paper, which I think is something we need to, need to kind of lean into a little bit. Quote, environmental interventions such as cold exposure that extend longevity has revolutionized the field of aging research. So here's the Vitality Explorer analysis and recommendation. Cold exposure, such as like taking a little cold shower or ice baths, there's lots of people, especially celebrities such as Lady Gaga, the, the boxer Floyd Mayweather, and sort of this uh, cold guru, Wim Hof, have been talking about it for years about how it's valuable. But the data supporting its vitality value has been rising in the last two years. And the paper we just discussed I think it's crucial because it provides a specific reason 
why it can enhance our longevity. It's a non-pharmacologic way to enhance our abilities, our cells' ability to clear off degraded proteins that contribute to disease. Now, there's a lot of pharma companies out there that are trying to get rid of some of these either degraded proteins or cells that are hanging around too long that can cause inflammation. But here's the action, action suggestion. I should have put that in the first one. The action suggestion for the sports one is to go see a sporting event. The action suggestion for this particular piece of data, uh, of course, is to check with your doctor first, but then consider taking like a 30 or 60 cent second cold shower once or twice a week. Um, you know, that's where I started my journey with cold exposure three or four years ago now, but I now consider cold exposure one of the top five most important things I do to stay vital. Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Never begin any regiment without checking with your personal physician because there's known and unknown triggers of um, being exposed to cold. Um, but I think we're going to find that our body works better when we get out of this like 68 to 72 zone of, oh my God, everything's got to be perfectly either cold or cool or warm. And we previously discussed this uh, on the Vitality Explorer a Substack site and on the podcast where this, this these ideas of deep breathing and cold exposure can fight inflammation. I encourage you to look for that up there. There's the references about why moderately cold temperatures can prevent protein aggregation related to aging and disease. That was just published last year. Um, and more information about proteases and how we our bodies clear these things out. Again, I understand this is complex, but my job, my duty is to find complex pieces of data not shy away from how difficult it is to maybe try to interpret them for you and then present them in the context of specific actionable advice. That's what we try to do on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. And that's where we're going to finish. Um, um, that's where we're going to finish this uh, week's Vitality Explorer podcast with five natural ways to reduce inflammation. And cold exposure can be one of them, but I want to give people uh, specific ways that they can fight the enemy of uh, vitality, which is inflammation. Now, most of the time, we do need inflammation uh, to fight off infections when we're sick or when we need to heal a wound. Chronic inflammation, however, is associated with a variety of serious diseases such as cancer, heart disease, and diabetes. So if we can reduce our chronic inflammation, we live a longer and more vital life. And today's post reviews five of the ways to reduce that. And some of them are simple, some of them are, some of them are difficult. And, and um, you know, I, I, I'm going to present them uh, in, a, in a way that I think you'll find maybe easy to do, but some of them are also kind of surprising. So my suggestion is that you pick one or two of them to focus on over the next month that you need to work on. And then remember, vital people will do whatever they can to decrease their chronic inflammation. So here they are. Number one, and this is the, maybe the toughest one, <clears throat> but it's one of the most important, is to live at your ideal weight. Number two is to connect with friends to combat loneliness. Number three is support others. Number four is optimize your vitamin D levels. And number five is to stretch your hamstrings. So let's go over each one of these in de detail. And we've talked about all these before, but these are all in the context of trying to live a longer and more vital life and decreasing your chronic inflammation. But I think 2024 is time to tackle the obesity elephant in the room. And we can never be our most vital selves if we don't live at or near our ideal weight. Um, and I want you to check out the quotes. You can, again, look at the references for, for this on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. But this is from 
a researcher out of Norway. Um, his name is Bente Halvorsen, H-A-L-V-O-R-S-E-N. I love Bente Halvorsen. And here's a, here's a couple quotes. Quote, overeating increases the immune response. This increased immune response causes the body to generate excess inflammation. That's number one. Number two is, quote, too much food causes serious disease such as heart attack, stroke, cancer, and chronic intestinal inflammation. Um, so the suggestion about trying to live with your ideal weight, obviously there's not a simple answer, but check with your doctor, check with a dietitian and nutrition, and here's how I think we can get, get there. It may not be any one of them, it may be all of them that can help you. But if you commit right here, right now to the living at or near your ideal weight in 2024, you have an excellent chance of getting there, okay? Number two is to connect with friends to combat loneliness. Now, this is what I found a little bit surprising, and here's a quote from, from one of the references that's, again, on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. Quote, loneliness is defined as a subjective, unpleasant psychological state of feeling alone that stems from a discrepancy between desired and actual social relationships. And, and that's, you know, you can be in, in and around people, but if there's a difference between what you want and what you actually have, you can be lonely. And loneliness is terrible for you. It's associated with an increased risk of depression, cardiovascular disease, and death, also known as all-cause mortality, okay? It's clearly not good for you. And a growing body of evidence suggests that inflammation is one of the connections between loneliness and disease. So how can you combat that? Well, here's the suggestion. Just be the Pied Piper of connection. Call up a friend and go for a walk. Have lunch. Or even just send on some text messages like we've talked about before. Just, just do whatever you can to connect with other people. And that should decrease your loneliness and your overall inflammation. Here's another one. The number three one is another one that's kind of surprising, and that is supporting others. And a study of over a thousand people identified, identified this, and again, it's a non-pharmacologic way. Here's a quote from the paper. Quote, the current study examined the perceived support giving moderate, that, that perceived support giving moderates the associations between social relationships and systemic inflammation. Okay, the paper strongly suggests that when we seek to support our friends, our family, our, our spouses, our colleagues, that that can decrease the inflammation in our body. Isn't that kind of crazy, right? So you're just trying to help somebody else. You're literally trying to tr do something to help somebody else in your world. And that data, scientific data, suggests that that can decrease your inflammation. All right, number four is very important for anybody in the Northern Hemisphere right now. This is January of 2024 when I'm recording this. But right now is the wintertime in the Northern Hemisphere, the time when you might have a low vitamin D level. And low vitamin D levels, especially in anybody who has like knee osteoarthritis, is associated with a higher level of systemic inflammation. That's not my opinion. That's based on this very interesting study of 124 patients with mild to moderate bilateral knee arthritis, and 65 controls. And the study found correlations between their vitamin D status and overall inflammatory markers. And this is what's crucial. And, and vitamin D levels um, were 42.7, um, 42, um, 43, something like that, and, and for what they called sufficient and 19 for insufficient. So there's a, you know obviously a big difference there. Um, but the data in the paper was clear. A vitamin D 
at or around 40 or 45 maybe, was associated with lower levels of inflammation. And that's pretty staggering, right? Vitamin D is very cheap. Uh, you can also try to get a vitamin D test. Um, sometimes they're expensive, but more often than not, you can get a vitamin D level test for less than $100. But I think you gotta consider checking with your doctor about whether that's valuable for you. Because if you do have a low vitamin D and you correct it, it's a stupid, simple way to decrease your systemic inflammation. As is the final one we have for this week, and that is stretching. And stretching is a massively underappreciated way to enhance your vitality and decrease your inflammation. First of all, can, you know, again, as an orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine specialist, flexibility of your muscles, ligaments, and joints can increase your overall well-being of, of those joints, but also decreases your risk of an injury. Um, and stretching activities such as yoga, tai chi, um, can also reduce level of pro-inflammatory cytokines in our body. So stretching increases the level um, of a specific protein that can prevent hardening of the arteries, right? So this is, this is amazing, right? This isn't a drug. This isn't an injection. This isn't surgery. This is things like stretching your hamstring or stretching your shoulders every day. And if you think of that as like brushing your teeth, if you just did that two minutes twice a day, not only would your shoulder or your knee or your hip work better, you would likely decrease your overall inflammation in your body. So again, always check with your doctor prior to beginning anything. You can check out all of the references to the things like, you know, about, you know, why being overweight is hazardous and in, in, in associated with inflammation, the connections between loneliness and inflammation and how support helps and how optimizing your vitamin D can really be valuable. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed this week's Vitality Explorer podcast. Go blue to all my friends out there. Still basking in the national championship victory for my beloved Wolverines. Get out there this this year. Try to schedule yourself to go see a sporting event. It'll help you remember sports and supercharge your vitality. Consider cold exposure after checking with your doctor because it, it may lead to increased longevity. And then pick one of those five natural ways to reduce inflammation. Just pick one or two of them that you think you could work on Almost all of them are completely cost-free. Maybe the vitamin D level will, will cost a little bit, but you can, you can work towards those things to decrease your chronic inflammation, and that'll increase your vitality inc and increase your longevity. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's version of the Vitality Explorer podcast. Don't forget Ronnie Lott's quote from the beginning, if you can believe it, the mind can achieve it. And until next time, get out there, make a dent in the universe, and dare to be vital. This has been Dr. Alan Mishra, and thank you very much for listening. Have a great week, everybody.